I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're gay. And his envy. Episode number 35, another episode of A Gay and His Envy. We want to thank you guys so much for listening to us wherever you do, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen it is greatly appreciated by the both of us. And we love that you're tuning into all that we have to say about reality television. So we are so thankful for being 35 episodes in and uh, having such a loyal viewer, viewership and listenership. So thank you guys so much. Uh, be sure to follow us on all of our social media, whether that be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're posting clips from the podcast as well as some other fun stuff over there. Uh, you can also go get merchandise, uh, plenty of merchandise over at againismb.threadless.com. We have a bunch of different designs over there that you can put on T-shirts and mugs and bags and pretty much anything. And we'll be adding more designs as we go along, um, you know, as we encounter more iconic things to put on T-shirts. And there's sure to be a bunch, so be on the lookout for more stuff. And like you said, go purchase one now over at Again is MB threadless.com and also if you guys have a question for either of us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast whether that be stuff that we talk about whether that just be anything in general you can send it to us across our social medias and also by email at again is mb at gmail.com and we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast Babe, what do we have on tap for this episode? We got a special lineup this week, it feels like. Yeah, we do. Uh, we want to um, definitely talk about um, this Secrets Revealed episode of Vanderpump mm -hmm. um, because there were some secrets revealed. Um, and, you know, it just... Mm. We got Yeah. We'll get to it. If there's one way to sum it up, sum up this whole season, it's... Mm. <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah, mm -hmm, that's it. Um... We also wanted to just do a little bit of uh, a reality roundup kind of mm -hmm. round. Uh, we got a lot of things going on on the back burner. We just finished season 20 of Top Chef. Yes, World, uh, World All, All Stars. Stars. That was an exciting season. Um, and so we'll talk about that. We will talk about the upcoming season. And by upcoming, I mean debuts tonight episode or season of project runway which is also an all-star season also season 20 um so that's exciting both of those on bravo and then um a couple weeks ago we had stars on mars debut on <laughs> on fox we've watched the first episode we admittedly have not watched the episode that aired this week um but we will get to it at some point um, but like general thoughts on some of the shows that we haven't gotten to review like week by week that we've been keeping up with and watching and, and we'll get to give our thoughts on, on all those. Um, but before we get to any of that, yes, we're going to start as we sometimes do with drag race, drag race for this week. And this all stars eight episode was a eventful episode to say the least it's got the people talking yeah there's a lot of dialogue online especially amongst the queens yeah i was gonna say there's, there's uh, a little bit of infighting going um there's a lot of discussion about like this season's gotten a lot of debate in terms of also viewer perspective of like a lot of people are really down on this season of all stars and think that it's kind of jumped the shark in certain ways I don't agree. I think it's gotten back to kind of what Drag Race used to be. I think it's what I 
here's the thing. I think it's what you're looking for, right? If uh, yeah, I love uh, me being you know somebody that's been raised in reality television the way it has. Like I love a little bit of drama. I love a little bit of sort of like um, grittiness to certain things, and you know, you know, undercutting of people and sort of drama in that regard. But like. But keep in mind, this man also, you know, came up watching Flavor of Love. When I was like, when whenever that came out, like I was like <laughs> way too young to be watching it, by the way, um, but fell in love. Um, but like. Shout out to New York Pollard. Um, but like, I understand also people view Drag Race in this prism of just like, I want to just have fun and like see good drag and like, that's it. Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of the conflicting aspect of this and and the system that they're they're sort of operating under with all stars where like i think it's a good system for reality television i am wondering of like does it work for this show i my issue with it is that it's a competition show that is not rewarding the competition right and instead you get eliminated by infighting yeah and it's almost like I wish they would just make a separate show yeah. that where they're in a house and they essentially do Big Brother or something. Oh, what I think it was Alexis Michelle or somebody tweeted about what if they did All Stars, you know, live. And, oh, yeah. And aired it as it was going like they do like with the live feeds on Big Brother. And oh, my God, that would be so good. Yeah. But I think and because I think Willem on her podcast was discussing that, like uh, from her inside sources, that they're completely scrapping this next season for all stars and just going back to like a reg- like uh, she regular- always got the tea. I know. Right. And they're going to like a regular format of drag race where Rue actually eliminates people and, and et cetera, which I think is probably the right way to go. I think probably I think it's a it was a good experiment, but I think the fan base doesn't want it. <laughs> And is roundly rejecting it for the most part. It's just, it brings out the toxicity. And I would have no problem with the show as it is if Twitter didn't exist. Yes. Um, because the way that this stuff has spilled out online and become something completely different. Like, I get that there was a lot of discourse back with All-Stars 2 when um, the whole Alaska of it all happened. Right. Um, and people were mad on behalf of Katya. Mm-hmm. I get that. There was a lot of discourse. But it wasn't this toxic. No, and it's also... And there wasn't infighting amongst the queens as the season was airing on Twitter. Well, that's a, it seems like the queens are over. We'll get to it later of the of how we ended the episode and the result of the end. I feel like the queens are done as much as every I cuz to me it feels like they almost want to protest. If it, it honestly feels yeah. like and there was also the the next week uh teaser which seems like oh, It yeah. seems like people are just fed up. <laughs> like it's like so it, We'll we'll have to go into that. But starting off with this episode though of Drag Race, uh, we come back in the workroom. Um, nobody goes home because Heidi eliminated herself, obviously, as we mentioned before. But we do find out. This is where I was like, okay, this is fine. Like, at least with the added out, because normally when someone self eliminates on Drag Race, we know no one's going to get eliminated yeah. next episode. But at least there's some added element of like they still have to read the lipsticks of everyone. Yeah. And so, like, that's you know at least interesting because you never get the, you never get the eliminated per the person with the most votes 
seeing that they got the most votes, yeah. right? And Kahana's was essentially unanimous. Um, and so, I mean, for seemingly obvious reasons, like, I mean, this is her, that was her, I think her second time in the bottom at that point. And like, yeah, I, yeah, it, we'll play yeah. into later, <laughs> like, you know? Um, so yeah, um, we go into the workroom the next day. Um, and the Queens are surprised cause there's all the RuPaul pictures in the workroom are replaced with pictures of Joan Crawford and Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford. Um, because those are two different people, apparently. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Not when you ask the gays. No, I mean, like, when people think of Joan Crawford now, they think of Faye Dunaway. As... Yeah. Faye Dunaway is more Joan Crawford than Joan Crawford was. Yeah. Um, and then Rue introduces the maxi challenge for this week, which is Joan, the unauthorized rusical, rusical all about the life of Joan Crawford. I, I will say this. One thing about drag race, like people debate, you know, what about the how good recent seasons of drag race is, they have been killing it on the Rusicals lately. Oh, yeah. And whoever they've hired, like, well, I think they've actually hired really good directors, like actual like people to like sort of like craft this in a way that's like, you know, not Todrick. Um, <laughs> sorry. Not, no, not, don't be sorry. Not the man who thinks to give someone. Beyonce choreography during a share rusical and then critique them for not being share enough. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, like people who are actually really talented at this craft and like can put something together. That, and I love that they're just like making a good rusical every year. And, yeah. it'll, and there's a reason that for the most part, like everyone has been like, it's been one of the like, one of those cases where it's like you have to nitpick every rusical yeah. in the judging because I th- I mean it's the queens deserve really so but also like the material is it's good. It's just good, yeah. Yeah. Shocker if you give them good material <laughs> then like Yeah. you know. Um and I and I've really appreciated that. Um and they so they basically get to pick their own parts in terms of what they want to do. And this was I think was a good idea too of like they're in the sense of doing like a musical where it's like they give the you have to be Joan. And I think they did give credit for people who like embody Joan Crawford, but also like every scene was a different genre of music that wasn't right. So you weren't, you weren't tied into this idea that you're playing this, like, you know, uh, you know, high Hollywood actress, like sort of vibe. You can, well, and there were vibes in there that I didn't even realize you could get out of Joan Crawford. Right. And which I was really, I was really entertained by, um, but more more than anything, I was impressed in the way that they were able to still get Joan across mm-hmm. um, through a style that I would not have thought to match with her. Yeah. So I that was really good, both on the queens and the writers. That was good on both. Uh, aspects yeah so um they're going through the parts uh the only sort of debate is that candy and jessica both want the um no more wire hangers uh uh section um and they kind of do an audition for it essentially um that candy ends up winning we'll get we'll talk about it later with the performance i was all i mean they positively critiqued her for this i think rightfully so i was shocked with candy's singing voice it actually was really yeah. really solid yeah. like I think I, and I you also, don't think of somebody that talks like they smoke 
three cartons of cigarettes a day. I mean, that doesn't sound like candy, but it's similar to the grovel. Yeah, and I think, like, pushing them to do... I mean, it's not live vocals, but, like, recorded vocals as opposed to, like, doing the... like the lip-syncing to the track that they've already created, yeah. essentially, I thought was good, and it pushed them in in a certain realm to, like, you know... It, it it put a, an element of craftsmanship into each of their performances where, they, right. you know, they could add certain elements to it. Like we see with Alexis a little bit mm-hmm. uh, later. Um, we'll get to that part right now. They're in the recording session with Leland. Um, Alexis has a really like wordy, like sort of like section of like just quick, fast words because it's like a country sort of like hoedown. Yeah, style. which again, not something I'd associate <laughs> with Joan Crawford, no. but okay. <laughs> well, yeah, and like, but was able to pull it off in such yeah. a way. And I love her practicing her, um, her like from her theater training, the like, but the, but the, but the, like the, mm-hmm. like to sort of like get that all out there. Um, Kahana sort of struggles the most in terms of the actual recording session. Um, I thought the, but I think the end product actually worked pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Again, it's like, this is actually both with Leland and we'll talk later with the choreography session, like also getting coaches that know what they're doing. First off, um, to want to actually produce a good product. Yeah. And know how to instruct people in order to get to that product. Like, you know, like I thought it was really Leland and, um, Adam Shankman later were both very helpful and clearly like, you could tell knew how to actually instruct and it wasn't just like, let's create drama for a television show where I, you know, Todrick, Todrick. <laughs> basically getting rid of Todrick was the best thing drag race could have done. I, in yeah. case you haven't uh, figured that out from, <laughs> from next our, on the chopping block. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of chopping blocks, funny. Cause uh, there was also that funny moment where um, Jessica couldn't pronounce axe in the song. Oh, keep saying ass. Yeah. Uh, not getting the um, alliteration right. That was I thought was really funny. Um, we then go to the actual dance rehearsals with Adam Shankman, who has done a bunch of movie musicals, including Hairspray, right? Um, bunch of other stuff. Um, he was great. I thought, yeah, there was, absolutely loved him. There was one critique later in the judging that annoyed me from him, um, but other than that, I actually thought he had an understanding of one theater obviously to the Joan Crawford, like, like understanding like what makes Joan Crawford Joan and like teaching them also, like if you're doing, yes, you're doing a metal thing. Yes. You're doing, you know, um, country. Yes. You're doing this sort of like vibe, but there are these certain elements that you can add to it that can still make it Joan Crawford. Right. And, you know, I thought that he did a really great job overall in terms of teaching them. Um, and uh, we also, oh, we found out also that the runway theme uh, is Night of a Thousand Grace Joneses, which I was like, ooh, that's like, one, I love a Night of a Thousand category. I think we've talked about it in the show before. Two, like, Grace Jones is, like, one of the most, like, you know, I would say probably the most, like, inspired character in terms of looks on Drag Race. I'm sure a lot of people have, like, if you go across the like annals of drag race, like runway looks like how many people have like taken inspiration from different Grace Jones looks and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like such an innovator. So it was really uh, glad to uh, see that um, they're getting their makeup done uh, the next uh, day, getting ready for the performance. 
um, Candy's worry, both in the sense of like, you know, everyone gunning for each other, but also like, there was a lot of talk too of like, did Heidi put stuff in their head necessarily based off of what happened last week? And is she now <laughs> the eye roll that you just gave? Look, um, to quote, um, I can't remember exactly who it was, but to, uh, to quote one of the queens at some point said this, they can't make you say shit you didn't say. Sure. Uh, you said it, so it's not the edit. Yeah. And it, it's just like, Candy, you're being shady, and I absolutely have no reason to doubt Heidi, and girl. <laughs> no. And then, and then, to in, I mean, I know we're jumping ahead to next week, but to now, now she's like, Posting all this stuff about Alexis using quote unquote white woman tears. And like was Candy posting that stuff? I saw a lot from like fans and stuff like that. Uh she was liking and retweeting it. Okay. Um, and she was definitely contributing to that discourse. Cause I saw I, I th- And it's just like, girl, okay. I if it was just Alexis or if it was even if it, in the Heidi candy jimbo thing if it was jimbo that was upset at candy and not heidi i would maybe agree with you that there's a component there Mm. right but girl yeah because i your first person that you offended and hurt on this show was heidi sure I think from what I saw online, though, it was like Alexis was like almost like preempting people like before the actual scene aired next week of like, you know, just be away. Like, like, all, like the fact that we now have to preempt the fan base of telling them, like, don't come for people. And like, I saw, I thought I saw Candy like retweet that and like, like say something and like uh, supporting that. So I don't, I, I don't, I'm just, I'm tired. And then <laughs> there's been. There's been so much going on, like, with the Drag Race fandom this week. Like, have you seen the whole thing where people are now trying to come for black queens that have white partners? Oh, I saw a tweet about that. And then, like, there's this whole thing now where they're, like, specifically, like, trying to cancel Bob. And they're trying, they're, like, going after, and, like, Vixen is, like, going after Bob. Like, there was a, there was a huge fight between Vixen, and there was, like, some spaces online where people were. Oh, my God. I I hate Twitter spaces, because you can't research shit. Like, I can't figure out what happened, what was said. There's no proof. Like where's the where's the I'm evidence? I'm so glad I'm not like that's not on my main timeline. Like Drag Race Twitter it's, is not on my main timeline. It's exhausting. I don't know half of this shit. Yeah, like it's it's exhausting because like you Vix- were the you were the one that texted me about the uh, Heidi Kahana stuff. I wouldn't have even known about that if it wasn't like, well. And and Vixen is now like accusing Bob of like silencing other people of color that have a problem of it or with it and like. They're only letting their pick me speak in the spaces. Oh, dear Lord. And it's like, 
it's such a thing. Like Latrice was caught up in this too because her partner is white. Yeah. Like it's a thing. Like there was a thing put out that was like a picture of all of these black queens and their white partners. And it's like, okay. And, and? yeah, it's like, like I don't, they were like, there's a problem when people of color are just obsessed with whiteness. And I'm like, yes, that, that is a problem. Um, but this is not indicative of that. Right. This is people falling in love. There's just something about, I don't know if like Mercury's in retrograde or something, but like. I don't think it is right now. No, but like the, the people need to get offline. <laughs> like, like the, the really, across, not, not just drag race, but I've seen multiple cases where it's just like, this is some chronically online behavior. And, y'all, and I need y'all to like wake up and like go smell a fucking rose bush for like <laughs> i swear to god like <laughs> i i yeah anyway back to this episode no let's get yeah let's go to the main stage um the guest judge is adam shankman um let's talk about the rusical and go through everyone's performances um we started with kahana in sort of early joan mgm queen era mm-hmm. thought she did great i thought she had i would say she probably had the most difficult choreography Yes. It was the most extensive and like had a lot of lifts and a lot of like mm-hmm. sort of like support from the other, um, the, what, what am I, not co, the, uh, co-dancers, that's not the word. Um, the backup um, dancers. Backup dancers. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Um, like did a lot, sounded really good. Um, yeah, I thought did a really decent job. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, even though she was extremely solid in her performance, I did think that she was a little bit forgettable possibly yeah and what was frustrating is because it was at the beginning i I don't know if it was because she was at the beginning or because it's not a version of joan that we necessarily remember a lot but like something about that combination just made it toward to where at the end of it i'm like like you could have been any was kahana in this yeah you, it's like, you, but that's a good point. It's like everyone else had like a very recognizable Joan look, right? And hers was very much, which could again have been is no fault of hers. All of these looks are provided by the show, right? Like the that's not something that she could have done anything about, right? So like, she had what they had, and she had the material that they gave her, and she did well with it. It was solid. You know, the end product on the vocal was good. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I didn't have a problem with her performance, except that by the end of it, I forgot she was in it. Yeah, I would say so. Um, we had James then as um, the mommy dearest, like, around the time of, like, mm-hmm. the, with Christina and stuff like that. Um, I thought James did well. It was kind of, like, there was all this debate of, like, well, she didn't have much in terms of material necessarily in terms of some of the other, but women. she was doing a lot with it. She, she was so, like, she sort of did in terms of like the cart and like, like there were bits, but it wasn't like she didn't have a lot of choreo. Yeah. But a lot of that is that that is very, that version of Joan is very camp. Yeah. And well, I mean, every version of Joan is camp, but like, that's like one of the iconic tongue in cheek ones. And that's very James, so it makes sense that that was what she ended up with. But right. like, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't have a problem with it. No, not at all. Like, yeah, like I just there were critiques of her performance that I didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely didn't agree with. Um, 
But I mean, again, I think it was very solid, very good, and others just did better. Yeah. Uh, Candy uh, in the No More Wire Hangers. Phenomenal. Uh, great. Re- like, I thought did a really, really great job. Like we mentioned already, like the singing voice was great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, choreography was really down It was pat. tight. It was good. It looked like something you'd see on fucking Broadway. It yeah. looked great. Yeah, she hit like she hit her moments that she needed to hit. Um, yeah, I thought it was really like professionally done. Yeah, and 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 really commendable. Um, after that was Jessica um, with the um, the bring me the axe rose mm-hmm, bushes. Mm-hmm. That I was thought so she good. Did really fucking good. That was so good. I thought she embodied Joan a lot, mm-hmm. and like you know with this rock and roll genre, but like some of her movements and like some of the faces she pulled and sort of like how she would like turn her head in certain moments, like words was very much like in mommy dearest. Like I was shocked at her having a in-depth sort of understanding of that. Yeah. You wouldn't really expect that from Jessica. You wouldn't. Um, there was just a lot of really good facial acting. Like she was really good at emoting what we were, what she was trying to get across. And, um, it just, it was really impressive. I was, I was really, um, impressed with what she did. Yeah. Um, and then we had, then we had La La Ree. Um, I'm just going to say it right now, I think, and cause I watched the, musical back in after our initial watch and stuff like I'm I think I'm more definitive in my stance now. I think La La Ree should have won this episode. It for me it should have been either La La Ree or Alexis. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that they were pretty even. Lala's was so like and had great material like the material was great on its own, but Lala brought so much character to it and like Oh yeah. Like like uh, and it's kind of Vogue inspired and sort mm-hmm. of sort of presentation. The slap bit was so like oh that was everything. I was eating that up like fucking chocolate pudding. It and, was so good. And we love a slap sound effect. Like a slap sound yeah. effect is inherently funny, but, but the it way was she timed sold, timed perfectly timed and the way she sold it on her face and uh-huh. the way like she understood how to make a moment out of it. Yeah, in a way that I think was really really impressive. Um, yeah, I. I I think she should have won this episode. Yeah. We'll get to runway two later. Um, and then we had Alexis after that uh, in the sort of hoedown. Really great. And, and I said uh, professional with Candy. I would definitely say that with Alexis as well. Oh, yeah. Could have put that on stage and it would have been seamless. Oh, yeah. Um, I love how she was talking about, you know, I'm not really familiar with a lot of country music, but I've been in Oklahoma twice, so we're yeah. good. <laughs> what did she say? Like, I've been to, like, a New York um, hoedown, and Adam Shankman was like, nothing more down home than a New York City hoedown. Accurate. Um, She's probably been to Roundup in Dallas once or twice. Sure, why not? Um, But no, she was fantastic. Really embodied Joan. I mean, that, that's kind of... Maybe she's the one that they were talking about in the Real Housewives of Dallas <laughs> roundup. If you don't know that, go watch Real Housewives of Dallas. You'll know exactly what reference I'm talking about. Um, but I think, like, was able to embody Joan a lot, too. Like, to me, I think everyone was gravitating to the wire hanger scene. But, like, to yeah. me, this is the scene I would want to do. Yeah. Like, that's, to me, the most iconic scene from 
yeah. from Mommy Dearest. The don't fuck with me, fellas. It's great. Um, and then we closed out with Jimbo, who I thought did a good job. Yeah. Um, what There was a lot of struggling in the rehearsal with like the dancing and stuff like that. We've obviously seen with Jimbo. We did also talk in the beginning. Um, Jimbo kind of has like a moment like breaking down, like upset oh, yeah. um, in the beginning of the episode because she can't win lip syncs. Like, yeah. And like the one she and it's you clear frustration of like the one thing that I can't do <laughs> like yeah and it's like I'm so good at all these other elements and I'm so proud of all my work and all these other elements but I just freeze when I you know she should be fucking proud yeah of the dance work that she did in this episode because that was amazing yeah it wasn't the I mean obviously like someone like Kahada is a little more like. Right. experience and that stuff there was all this i did see there was some discussion i forgot where some people were discussing it was i want to say it was maybe nasha at one of the roscoe's mm-hmm. uh, parties of she was talking about being having there's sort of a double standard in drag race judging where it's like if you are a more uh fashiony you know dancer whatever sort of queen you're kind of expected to do good in the comedy challenges. And if you don't, then you're sort of just punished, but you're never, she makes the point of like the comedy Queens are never really punished when they don't have the best dance ability. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's accurate. And yeah. So that's kind of like a, I, I think it's fair. It's like, there's a little bit of catch 22 there. In well, terms of, and I think that it does, it's not even necessarily that it's that comedy is well, not king, but queen on this show. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we've we've said a million times and has been said throughout the whole run of Drag Race, if you can make Rue laugh, you win the challenge. Yeah. And, um, and it doesn't matter if it's meant to be a comedy challenge or not because every challenge is a comedy challenge. Because yeah. I think the point was, is, and even remember with the first week for all stars eight, when James kind of messed up the whole choreography mm-hmm. and it's like, they were making the point of just like, you know, you can tell that when a comedy queen messes up in a dance challenge, it's like, yeah, you messed up all the steps, but I didn't care. Cause you were so great. Yeah. And like, no one, you would never say to a fashion queen. Yeah. You weren't funny, but I didn't care. Cause you looked amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I, I, I understand that sort of frustration. Um, but overall, really, like I said, great musical. They had to nitpick at the end and sort of like nail things. And the runway played a big factor, I think, as well, which like, you well, know. Let's talk about the runway. Yeah. So Night of a Thousand Grace Joneses um, started with Kahana. I, there were also a lot of on this thing. There were some recreations, but a lot of them were, I think, veered a little bit more on inspiration than recreation. Uh-huh. And Kahana's was definitely one of those cases where it was like, looking at the photo, I can see you did you definitely took elements, mm-hmm. and you definitely like you weren't. It wasn't just like a red look that you like you know sort of whatever, but you definitely turned it more Vegas showgirl, which is your vibe. Right. Which is fine, but it's frustrating <clears throat> because eight out of the 12 looks that she's presented is, on this show have been showgirl. Yeah, I wish she would have mixed it up slightly more in sort of like this would have been the pristine opportunity to mix it. Right. And yeah, um, James uh, in the sort of like um, fur tail uh, look with the hood. Um, was not it. 
I didn't ah. get their critiques about the tuck being meaty. I didn't. Really, I didn't. I didn't see that. I didn't see that personally. I understood with the hood, like when she yeah. turned around, like it was open in the back to where it was like, and not in like an intentional way. Yeah, like it. It was a little messy in that regard. Um, I think. It, it does frustrate me though when it's like the critique on James that Michelle gave, like I think either last week or the week before, is like mix it up. You're doing a little too much of the James Mansfield character, yeah. and she definitely took something that was a little more further out of her comfort zone, obviously, but with this category. But like, you know. sure, but also this was a look that she brought from home, and she couldn't control when they put this runway on the thing. So it's not like she chose to to shake it up and do something different this week. She just happened to get Stumble this challenge them. and this is the look she brought for it and it happens to be different. Yeah. So, I mean, eh. But, I mean, it also had some of the same fit issues. Like, one of the shoulders was all the way, like, halfway down her her arm, mm-hmm. the shoulder seam. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't fitted right. And I expect more from her because knowing that she's a seamstress and knowing that um, that she does costume work yeah. at home and wig work at home. I expect more attention to detail from her. That's true. Um, especially on something that's brought. Yeah. Like, I just... So, when that's been a recurring issue, like, a couple weeks in a row, I understand the critique. Um, Candy Muses, I think we disagreed on a little bit. I liked it, I think, more than you did. I liked what she did with it. I wish there had been more. My issue with Candy's looks is that they always stop at the crotch. Yeah, that's true. And this look was no different. And I get that that's what Grace Jones's original look kind of did. But like, girl, give me a gown. Give me something that covers your legs. Yeah, we've never really seen Candy in a gown. That's a good point. Like, I, I... Like, I, I just, it's frustrating. Yeah. Because it's it's just, it's like you only want to dress half a body. <laughs> and I, I just, I have a problem with that. No, I think that's fair. Um, Jessica's, I like Jessica's, this like purple hooded. Gorgeous. She, um, changed a little bit up in terms of like the cut at the bottom with like the, the, um, the way it was like sewn up and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I thought it was still very just and added the sleeves that weren't yeah. in the original and such an iconic Grace Jones look. Like yeah. this is what I think of when I think of Grace Jones. Oh, totally. Then we had La La Ree, and I thought this, I thought this was the best that La La Ree's ever looked. In in yeah. all honesty, there was a lot of critique on this, I and so I was confused. so confused because that's fucking amazing. Yeah, and for La La have like. Lala's stumble for the most part has been runway across her original season and and also now. Like, this was perfect, I thought. I thought, like, it was exactly what I would hope that she would deliver. I thought it looked expensive. I thought it looked, like, really well made. I Yeah, I, I, this is where I was like, I think Lala should have, like, won. Yeah. Alexis, Alexis did just as well, I would say, on runway. I love this sort of... And I also didn't understand their critique of Alexis because they said something about, yeah, there's a lot of detail, but it's just all black, so you don't see it. And I'm like, bitch, where? You can see all the detail. But also, that was the look. Like, she did a pretty close recreation. Yeah. Like, it was almost stitch for stitch. Like, you can't... What are you doing? I didn't understand it at all. 
Um, and then Jimbo's, I thought, went really different for Jimbo. I mean, she talked about like I'm literally not wearing a breastplate. Like, I, like, yeah. I it re- Jimbo can sometimes um, <laughs> um, veer into um, what's the old man from Family Guy? Uh. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm I know who you're talking about. Yeah, it's like the old man and Family Guy doing drag, <laughs> like. I, I don't get that. I didn't have a problem with this, except for the hair. Oh, because they because Nor J, Grace Jones' original one was a hat, and she actually made a hat with out of hair, essentially. Right. To sort of that, I had a problem with. I thought it was ugly. I thought the hat in the original look was ugly, mm. but I thought it was worse when you made it out of hair. Yeah. So, like, I get what she was trying to do. She was trying to camp it up a little bit. Um. So I can admire that and even though i didn't find it successful like that's just a difference in opinion like i thought overall the look was good right i thought it was well done i thought it was out of jimbo's normal um arena for what she does and um i thought it was extremely successful in that regard and i thought she looked amazing her body looked good in it like it it was just good and it was I didn't understand. Um, there were there were some people online that were critiquing it. Not a lot. It wasn't a big thing, but I, I didn't understand any critique of it. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, Alexis and Jimbo are safe, and Alexis was pressed, and so were we. I didn't. Uh, have, yeah. Like, why are you calling anyone safe when you're down to seven? Like, just like, critique everyone. Yeah. Like, if anything, it should have been. Um, Jessica and Jimbo. Um, I would maybe have even put Candy serve over Jessica. Yeah, you're probably right. Like controversial opinion. <laughs> um, because got spoiler alert, Candy wins. Um, in which credit to her, I think they should have gone with Lala. And spoiler alert, you would have gotten the same result. Um, I think they kind of wanted it felt Again, it felt a little producery. Like it yeah. felt like Candy's the controversial figure. Can't the, there's all the talk about like will Candy take out a big player, et cetera. So let's give her the win and so let's, you know, see if she'll do it. Um, but also spoiler alert, when everyone does it on the cast, then yeah. it kind of ruins that moment. Well, um, but I also thought that maybe they were going we don't want to award more than $30,000 at once on a lip sync for your legacy. Yeah, so, so someone has to win. Someone has to win that's going to beat. Um, Lala probably could have. Probably, but like I think they were just more set on we know Candy can do it. We yeah. know Candy can beat or at least give Angeria a run for her money. Yeah. So, which... Uh, she did. Mm-hmm. And the bottom two are Kahana and James. And James literally goes, well, I think it's, you know, pretty cut and dry. Like, I've, this is my, you know, I, well, I guess it's technically her second time in the bottom. It's her first time on her own merit, on is her, what she said. Yeah. The other time was a group challenge. That's true. That's fair. And Kahana's literally been, this is Kahana's third time in the bottom. And she's like, we already voted unanimously mm-hmm. to get rid of Kahana. So this should be easy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we go to the, uh, they vote. Um, like you mentioned, the lip sync assassin is Angeria uh, Paris Van Michaels from season 14. Loved her hair. Yeah. 
it like, was so good. It was so like shiny and had like um, like little like diamond crystals within it. It was great. Um, and they lip sync to "I'm Not Perfect, But I'm Perfect for You" by Grace Jones. This was a great lip sync. Yeah, really top notch. Um, Candy's really great performer. Like, yeah, like yeah. You know, I was glad to see her sort of get to show that element. Um, Candy ends up winning, and then James gets eliminated in a big shock. Um, you know, yeah, like crazy. Um, and then I think it's because this week is a, an acting challenge. Yeah, and they know that she can do that. I saw. So, spoiler alert as well. Um, when you we watch Untucked, everyone voted for James, and it was like, what happened? Like, yeah, and there was there it, unless I misremember, there wasn't really any clear indication in Untucked that that's how they were going. Well, and there I. I'm just confused. I don't understand why everyone went like. Did you watch? Any, so they released like a little preview for next week. Like they do like the first however many. Uh-huh. many I minutes. haven't watched it. Literally, they were all like Lala was just like, I do what I want when I get in that voting booth. And if I if I want you to go, I want you to go. And wow. that's that. And it's like. I th- wow. I think they probably knew it was going to be easier to get rid of Kahana down the road than James. But also, didn't it feel like a, like, like what I was mentioning earlier, it kind of felt like in the initial, like when they all did it and the sort of, with all the stuff that's been happening on social media and all that, it kind of felt like a protest vote. A little bit. Like it felt like we are going to take out the, but it also, like, it's weird if they all did the protest to take out the strongest competition. To me, if I'm Jimbo, I wouldn't want that happening because as soon as I land in the fucking bottom, like... The, yeah. Like... I mean, it seems like everyone decided to draw a line in the sand at the same time. Yeah. And they all just took aim at each other and said, this is how we're playing from here on out. Yeah. And it just... Okay. Because there had to have been some collaboration. There had to because be. Because how else do you get... Get Alexis. Uh, Alexis. Get, get Alexis Mateo on the case. She'll she'll figure it out. Yeah, but like <laughs> people like Jimbo and Alexis and Lala and fucking like who else was who else would have voted? Jessica. Like how did you get all them on the same? Those are very yeah. different personalities with very different opinions on things to all get on the same page to vote out James. Yeah. I just I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened here. Yeah, because that's not just candy at that point. <laughs> did, did Kahata pull a, um, a Alaska? I will PayPal you $5,000. She hasn't won any money, though. <laughs> How is she going to do that? <laughs> yeah, because she lost her one challenge that she lost the lip sync, so yeah. she didn't win any money. It's like, I'll gift you my Vegas residency? I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, she probably has made some pretty 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 from that yeah um but i yeah that was a shocker <laughs> that was really crazy um so james is eliminated but still gets to participate in the fame games um do we want to talk quickly about the fame game looks there were some good ones i thought for the like there they've been kind of hit or miss lately but like the grace jones ones i thought there were really some really good looks i remember really loving uh, i re- there were two that were good and two that were meh for there, me, there were two I remember. <laughs> I'll say that, and those are probably the same ones that you think are good. Yes. I really loved Kasha's. Yes, Kasha's was great. This like almost like sort of like confet or um crepe paper like sort of like 
structural thing and showing her full ass out at the end, which like I was surprised by this. So I'm like, you wore this on the Grace Jones one, but then you refused to do ass out on the ass out runway. I guess the because the was the great the original Grace Jones one of this was this also ass out. So it was I full think, back out. So I think maybe she didn't want to have two moments of that. Why not? Well, and also I do have a little bit of a problem with this because the cut of the of the thong that she's wearing yeah. is just too low. She should have worn a French cut because mm-hmm. it would have, um, like you don't have the issues with the tuck, right? From the front because it it's all li- covered. So instead, it would have made her whole butt look more curvy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of what we get here which still looks feminine but so good on her because there's no padding it's full skin mm-hmm. so like good for her i wish that i just wish that the sides of the panty had gone all the way up to the actual waist like with the, that french cut yeah, yeah, yeah and it would have given it would have made her butt look so good like it looks good here but like it would have looked 10 times better and if we have the same other Good look, we it, Darian, right? Darian, yeah. I love Darian's. Like, like she took it. I, I it was again a little more inspiration more than direct copy, mm-hmm. but I could still see Grace Jones in this, right? And it was almost giving like Disney villain in a weird way. I was just about to say she looks like a villain from a f- upcoming version of The Incredibles. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Very that. It was like, or this could have been like. um Emperor's New Groove, yes, side, like yeah, almost kind of a little bit Isma there. Yeah, she has the face for it. Yeah, um, and it's yeah, it was, <laughs> which sounds shady, no, but it's it not. She has a very <laughs> Darian has like a very expressive like yeah. sort of like face and stuff like that. But I thought this was phenomenal. I think it's great. Like I think Kasha and Darian might be leading in terms of yeah of the possibly. Queens. Um, I I was a little frustrated with Nasha's because it was remind me of Nasha's. I oh, it was it that was, stripy cat suit. It, it was, was like 57 cat suits, girl. I mean, I get that that's kind of your thing. Like was, you do a it lot was of cat such suits. The simplest choice. But it's like change it up for drag race. Yeah. For something like a Grace Jones runway, I would think you would go so much bigger. And then Monica Beverly Hills did like Basically, a leather corset thing oh, with like yeah, a with like the face mask. Um, yeah, it was it was. I'm going to a fancy BDSM ball. Mm, I, I was like, like, I'm over it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of liked. I liked the styling on this one. I liked the hair. I liked the look. I hated it for this runway. Yeah, that's what I felt about Nasha's too. It was like I like it, but when I put it next to everything else you've shown me on this season. That's when I have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, but it's also weird. Like I said, like the, it's like the more fashiony girls, I don't really remember their looks as much, like sort no. of in the later ones, as much as I do like Kasha and Darian. And like, so I think like it's, it will be interesting to see who gets it at the end of the day. I don't think it's going to be, it may not be the person everyone thinks it is. It, which, you know, it may not. Um, I'm a little bit frustrated that. Um, we don't know what Heidi's was. Oh, cause Heidi, well, cause Heidi, 
No, I know that. But like Heidi, I still would like to know what her Heidi, looks like. Heidi I think is posting didn't I, I I've I've scrolled past her Instagram. She's posting like like blurred out versions of the photos or something like that because like as if like a statement. Again, why are these queens making these like protest statements of like you know I don't like, get it. Uh yeah. Maybe I think after we've discussed this, I am kind of with the conclusion that this season is kind of a mess. Yeah, it's it's it's. Ooh. I think we've reached that conclusion. <laughs> like, I think Heidi wins because she released a flashlight with a tooth gap. There I we think, go. You know, you win. <laughs> Get that money. Let's Girl. go home. <laughs> Let's go home. Um, yeah. So that was All Stars Eight for this week. We're down to six girls, and kind of like we mentioned before, that trailer for next week looks bonkers. <laughs> RuPaul having to come in the workroom and be like, listen. Listen, Linda. <laughs> listen. <laughs> so, yeah, that was sure to be crazy. Um, We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to do a little bit of a reality roundup. You're not going to want to miss it. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can combine that? Yes. On a wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay in His NB. Let's head over to you know just general reality land Uh, let's talk a a few random things uh here really quick before we get into vanderpump (laughs) Uh, i'm just i to to sneak ahead i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) we need need a we need a break after this we need a good nap yeah at at the very least um but let's talk some some reality roundup real real quick let's jump first into this past season of top chef world all-stars this was one of the shows that i 
so we record our podcast on Thursdays. So like one of the reasons we, we, we I think we normally would have done a Top Chef review if it came out on a different day. Yeah. Because it, it would just have been messed up in the schedule and like sort of like, um, you know, but we wanted to give our quick thoughts of it overall um, in terms of this season. The 20th season, as you mentioned, World All-Stars, um, big and and now we know even bigger in the sense that this is Padma's last season, as we found oh, out last right. week. Oh, right. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Which, like, when that news broke, I was just, I was, like, cr- <laughs> crushed. I was, yeah. I, I'm a big, I watched Top Chef, like, when it first, like, in, like, seasons one and two when it aired. Like, it yeah. was, like, appointment television for me. It's one of, I'm not the biggest fan of, well, I won't say that. I will. I will watch any cooking reality show. Mm-hmm. I I have a strong opinion on which ones are good and which ones are not. And I yep. and I feel like Top Chef is in the good in the good realm. I I maybe it's my pretentiousness. It's like I feel like they take it a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. I feel like the it's there's not a lot of like playing up drama for cameras. I think they understood when they crafted this show of like. Oh, if we get actual like chef, like chefs are notoriously either assholes or like just really strong-headed people. You like kind of have to be. Yeah, you have to have a certain level of like ego and stuff like that to grind in that way to where it's like if we get them from this right pool, like we don't mm-hmm. need to like find reality stars necessarily. Like well, and I like it because there's not a lot of, like, the interpersonal, like, drama is not what's driving this show. Yeah. Um, Definitely not as much in recent years. Yeah, not some as those, much. There's, some of those were, early seasons are, like... Yeah. It's like Bad Girls Club meets... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could say the same on a lot of these type of shows. Like, Hell's Kitchen has definitely had seasons that were... Hell's Kitchen is one of the ones where it's like, I, I'm not the biggest fan of because it's like, you did, like, these are not chefs. Like, you did not... Gra- you grabbed a bunch of people off the... You grabbed a bunch of extras and, like, <laughs> are acting as if they're chefs. Like, they're not real people. Well, and one of the things that I don't like is that it promotes, like toxicity in the kitchen yeah as normal and acceptable and okay um i don't like how gordon ramsay is on hell's kitchen right um on the flip side i love how he is on master chef especially master chef kids oh yeah master chef junior yeah like, like he is so fucking sweet with those kids but they but that took adjusting well, not with kid, not with the junior seasons. The junior, he never was yelling at them in the, no, in the junior seasons. That would be so funny. You are you an seen, idiot sandwich. Have you seen the Twitter? <laughs> like, like people do like videos where they like splice in like him yelling at people on MasterChef as if he's yelling to these kids. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um, but in the early seasons of MasterChef, they kind of did it like Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, and it's like I. It's one thing when you're doing bumbling idiot chefs that are that think they're like hot shit or whatever. Yeah. But when you're bringing in home cooks and you're yelling at them as if like, it yeah. was like, what are you doing? But yeah. they fixed that after a while. Yeah, they did. Um, they're like, no one wants to see that. And also when you watch, um, uh, I I haven't watched like episode by episode, but the, if you've, uh, if you're a big MasterChef fan, I encourage people to watch MasterChef Australia. Hmm. It is so much more delightful. <laughs> Ever, like it is the most delightful fucking show of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's 
it's really great. Um, but like, yeah, you need like if you're gonna do home cooks, you can't be the hard ass judges. You no, can't. it needs to be something closer. Like there has to be a middle ground between early seasons of Master Chef and like worst cooks in America. Yeah, it, there's a middle ground here. Like you can't be all soft on them like you are on worst cooks in America and expect them to actually grow. Oh. <laughs> that show is awful. Yeah. It's like, oh, you tried to boil a <laughs> you tried to boil a carrot as if that means anything, but like at least you tried. Like Like what? <laughs> like you're not pushing them. Yeah. You can push them without being toxic. But at least like they I would say they push on top chef, but you could tell they have a certain level of there's a certain respect. Right. Of like, okay, at least you're actually professionals who like Yeah. You know, so there's a kind of good give and take. Um going back though to the point of Padma, I genuinely don't know who they replace her with. I, I don't either. I can't think of literally anyone in the Zeitgeist who fills that role that no. Padma fills. Like Padma is like losing Padma is going is going to be akin to losing Heidi Klum from Project Runway. Yeah. Like you can put Carly Kloss in there, but it's not the it's same. It's not the same. Like and I know we have like Christian Seriano on Project Runway now, and he is kind of bridging a gap between Heidi and Tim Gunn. But he's not trying to be Tim Gunn. But he's not trying to be Tim Gunn. He's filling that role in his way. Yeah. I don't know how we have that, how we fill Padma's role. The closest I can, I I, I can almost bet they're going to go with like a Chrissy Teigen. But I don't think Chrissy has the food knowledge Right. She's a good home cook. She's a great home cook, but and she's she not loves, a chef. She loves food, but she doesn't have the sort of like nuanced take on food that a Padma does. Right. Like, like you almost need a female version of the late great Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, honestly. You need that. Energy. I mean, because Padma's filled that role now with her Taste the Nation show. Right. So it's like you yeah, you need someone with that sort of that broad knowledge of global cuisine. Yeah. Like you can't just have one area of expertise. You have to know it all yeah. to be in that role. Um because Tom can't be the, the biggest expert on the panel. <laughs> he's already got all the pressure of being the only non-toxic Tom on Bravo. There's that. But he does kind of annoy me at moments where yes. he gets a little pretentious to the point. Like this season on World All Stars, where he's just like, Oh, you're doing a Niswaz with uh <laughs> with uh salmon. Uh Niswaz salad is with uh tuna. How's that gonna work? It's like why is that just a lower pitch shaded bedore? Really honestly. <laughs> But it's like the idea, like the idea of you of eating salmon with Niswad salad is like so like almost insulting to him. And then he inevitably eats it and he's like, you actually did great. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah Tom, <laughs> that, take the actually out like you're surprised. Like, yeah. why, why are you surprised that a world renowned chef who is on world all stars of Top Chef did a good job? It's like or later this season also where he was like, you know, the the. It was really good, but is phyllo does phyllo pastry make something a Wellington? It's it's supposed to be puff pastry, like yeah, okay, it's called Tom. a take on the thing. You're not supposed to do it by the textbook. You literally told them to make a dessert Wellington, and then which is not a common thing, and then 
get mad when they take like you know their take on take it. liberties but not like that not like that <laughs> like i don't get it um let's go uh some of like the standouts i guess in the cast um because i think this was a really solid oh cast. yeah they grabbed basically so basically they grabbed not just people from top regular top chef but of people who have been on top chefs versions of top chef in various other countries and stuff like that winners and like top three close um, to the top like yeah. sort of like uh, really uh, interesting. And it, it was a good array of characters. We know Buddha because we watched the season previous where he was. Right. Um, I knew known of Sarah. I think I... I love her. She's great. She was so inspiring. And the fact that she spent the entire season... Mm. Pumping breast milk for her baby to who is at home. In or no, Kentucky. not there's no way they were sending it back to Kentucky from London. That was my London. question. I'm like, you paying the postage? To her like- husband and babies had to be in London. There's no way they were shipping that back to the U.S. Like, it's not worth it. <laughs> like, like just Not to, to f- mention the fact that it would be spoiled by the time it got home. Yeah, like, it's like, just do formula. It's fine. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe. I mean, great for you, but like. I mean, maybe they were able to like pump enough to like have reserves while she was gone yeah and then this was for her to take back with her so that she could rest when she got home and didn't have to breastfeed right maybe that's what it was i don't know but like there's no way (laughs) that she was packing up the the packets of breast milk and shipping that shit to kentucky from london there's no way the 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 cost on that would be astronomical. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. But also like so you had that we uh you've seen Amar cuz he judged that one se- the season where they it was the covid right. season where they had brought all the people as guest judges cuz they had to quarantine everyone and they yeah. like I mean, I know that this is a um I'm a broken record on on this regard, but damn, he's pretty. Yeah, he's yeah. I love Amar. He's really shout attractive. out to Amar. Um, there was some... we like a big burly bear on this podcast. Oh, we, oh yes, we did. <laughs> Go back to our, th- our thirty-four previous episodes. Like how many times? <laughs> um, I some of the other standouts uh, from the other. I I really loved uh, Victoire. Yeah, who literally had like a full Rocky Balboa moment where she got a, a fucking allergy attack or um. Um, yeah, it was a peanut allergy or something. It was peanuts or something. I forgot. It was, I can't even remember what it was. But then, like, literally powered through and then literally wanted to, like, go into the judging after getting, like, a full EpiPen shot to, like... like it was, like... It was the scariest thing I've fucking seen in the whole time. And she was just, like, put me back in. Put me back in, coach. Like, Did she win Top Chef Italy? No, I don't. I think she was either, like, runner-up or, like, okay. sort of in the in that top realm. Um, you really liked um, Nicole from Canada. Yes, I loved her. She, she was, was great. She I was loved great. her story about uh, the challenge that she won. It was like the final, the last money she needed to finalize the adoption process yeah. for like, you know, we love it. If the, if Top Chef also loves one thing, it's a lesbian, <laughs> and we do too. Yeah, but like how like lesbian rights is is, is lesbian full, rights full on uh, Top Chef uh, uh, territory. Um, I liked, uh, Sylvia who basically just wanted to cook potato all season. Potatoes. <laughs> Found any excuse to put potato in anything. Um, I mean, look, we're living in Pittsburgh now, which is the home of pretty much 
anything Eastern European uh, cuisine-wise. And so, like, yeah, of course, we've eaten a lot of pierogies yeah. <laughs> at that point. So we're well-versed in the potato now. Um, and then but, and then uh, there was that. And then also, like, Vic, with Victoire, she, like, was putting... They had the challenge where, like, she used cassava in the first challenge. Mm-hmm. That was, like, a big, like sentimental moment for her because of her culture and stuff like that but then like every challenge she used cassava in like it was like like the go-to is like oh i'll add cassava it's like it doesn't go with everything sweetie yeah (laughs) you can't um there oh and then um i would say also uh one of the standouts was gabri from Mm -hmm. top chef mexico um he was standout, but he was like he was clinging, the to the, clinging to those bottom three notes. It's just like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, the fact that he made it to top three was kind of crazy. Like yeah. he had a a good run in like the last bit that like sort of like helped him, but he was a bit chaotic and a mess. Yeah, um, but charming. Like yeah, definitely I, charming. Um, were there any uh, challenges that kind of stood out to you in terms of? I really liked the the picnic one. The picnic one was, was I guess it was was it the Downton Abbey was yeah the, it was Downton Abbey the place and, was, and like they did it at the castle there um, was really great and then they did like a a quick fire for the elimination like right after right 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 instead of having the normal elimination and I was really like surprised by that that was really really good well done i really love any like especially in recent seasons especially when they go to like a when it's because it's always a different city or whatever Mm -hmm. they i love that they focus it on the cuisine of the city right um in whatever season it is i love the um the pub crawl one where they basically like were like had to do their take on british Mm -hmm. classics i like that one yeah um there was uh like you mentioned the picnic one um they always got to do a fucking like avant-garde one. The the what was the chef that they came, that came, I forgot his name, but it had like the plate was just like a world map, but it was all just purees and like, oh yeah, it was, it was just shit smeared on the. It's like what are you doing? And it's like you have to make <laughs> some like optical illusion. This like, is not food. <laughs> where you you oh it was specifically that you can't use your hands. We can't use our hands to eat it. So like you have to like or no, you have to use your hands to eat. Y- it. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. You know, Can I'll, we also talk about Buddha and his molds? Oh, for fuck's sake, the molds! Like, so they <laughs> every fucking challenge. They basically everyone gets to bring like when you're coming on Top Chef, you get to bring like one item. I think maybe either one or multiple, couple of different like. Well, he had like items. eighty different molds. Yeah, like but like Gabri brought like grasshoppers and saved it for the finale to use, right. and like so you get to bring something. Um, and he just brought a shit ton of fucking molds to like make it like, oh, I'm going to make this banoffee pie, but shape it like a banana. Or I'm going to have this skull mold that I'm going to do this like uh, take on like a frozen person in ice or something. It was like, and they ate it up. Like li- they, literally, they, literally. But like, <laughs> it, it was just like, oh my God, he's got another fucking mold this time. It was, I, I think there were maybe five challenges he didn't use a mold on. Yeah. It was a lot. It was verging on the vibe of like when you watch the early seasons of Top Chef and I like the one of the most early villains is this guy named Marcel and he was the first person to do like molecular gastronomy. Oh God, I think I remember and, this. And this was in like early 2000s where mm-hmm. like it wasn't commonly like being used and he was so fucking pretentious about it and it was like 
it was verging on that vibe a little bit. I don't know if you could get into molecular gastronomy and not be pretentious about it. Yeah. I don't know that that's even in 2023. I don't know that that's possible. Mm-hmm. I love the, um, the, um, where they had to do the, what is, I forgot what the dish is called. Uh, oh, the tallies where they went to that Indian, um, Padma took oh, them yes, to the Indian yes. restaurant. And they had to make these like a tallies, essentially like a, almost like a platter in like Indian culture where like you have these different elements that like mm-hmm. d- there are all the different dishes in the like different sectioned off areas are like is hitting different flavor notes. Yeah. Oh, and then I love the, um, I really love the, when they did like the potluck one. Oh, that was good. The, I love the one where it's just like a the little like holiday dinner one. Yeah, and they're just cooking in a house and it's yeah. chill. And like they're like, we're cooking the night before and then like literally sleeping in the house and then yeah. waking up and then doing this like nice like potluck at the end. Like it, it's a little more like charming and like sort of like It almost reminded me of like um late nineties, early two thousands food network. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Which, like, I I think I told you about this. It's, like, my thing with Food Network, like, nowadays is, like, they only want to do reality shows now. Yeah. They only, or, well, not even reality shows. They only want to do, like, comp, like, Cutthroat Kitchen and Chopped and, like, those stuff. Like, they don't make, like, actual, like, cooking shows anymore where it's just, yeah. like, like they, where's, ha- where's, they run reruns of, of Barefoot Contessa. I was about like, to say, where's my Barefoot Contessa? Where's my... Uh, I just want to see someone, like, bring over... F- like do a brunch with like their friends or whatever. And they make like, you know, yeah. Like that's what I want to see in sort of that kind of stuff. But yeah. Um, and, and, uh, Buddha ended up winning the season. Yeah. Tough finale too, with like Sarah was so close and then she completely fucked those livers. Yeah. And undercooked them to where literally they were like, Holy shit! We would have given her the win, but we like she yeah, literally you can't, had a, yeah she literally had a dish that was inev- uh, inedible. So like, yeah, um, I honestly wish it had been Sarah, if for no other reason than it was so clear it was gonna be Buddha from day one. Yeah, and so it's just like okay, okay, I like it was the same thing that happened with last season of Drag Race where we knew Sasha Colby was gonna win oh, from yeah, day yeah. one. But the difference was, is I wasn't excited about it because I had just seen Buddha win season 19. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, come on. Come on, guys. And then, and then they give Gabrielle a win here and then Sarah a win here. It's like, oh, maybe. But then it's like, no, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's clearly Buddha. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he deserved it. It's not that he didn't deserve to win. He definitely earned it. But it's just like. I I don't like when I can see the winner from the beginning. Right. Um, I got choked up when like, well, I got choked up when um, Padma got choked up at the end. Yeah. Like we were were discussing if she knew at that point that this was going to be her last season. I, she had to have been at least toying with the idea, right? She may not have mentioned it to the network yet, but like you sit with that for a couple months before you, like I actually decide to do it. And the so ending, there's no way she didn't know this could be my last season. And they brought the crew out in the ending to like, th- yeah. and Tom like thank them to where it was like, it felt like a send off. Yes. But also it's season 20. So it could have just been that. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Um, speaking of being able to see the winner from the beginning, let's talk about the kind of 
um, sneak peek we got last night of this new season of Project Runway. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And Which, in- good job. I mean, well, I, I'm being sarcastic. Bravo, like, I didn't know that they were airing this episode until, because I, I thought it was going to be on a Thursday. It was basically going to replace the yeah. Top Chef slot. And then all of the stuff that they were talking about for Watch What Happens Live, because Christian Seriano was on there with uh, Shannon. Shannon Bedore, um, and they were talking about that it was going to be at 11, which is really late for Watch What Happens Live. After the premiere of, uh, of Project Runway, I was like, wait, it premieres tomorrow. What are you talking about? Yeah. So it actually does premiere tonight on Thursday, but they had a episode yesterday that was basically introducing all the the contestants, all the designers. Yeah. Um and you know doing like a little package on what they did on their season or seasons for some of them that have been on All Stars before. Um which I had kind of fallen out of Project Runway at a certain point. I didn't know there were that many all-star seasons of Project Runway. I think there's been like three. No, there was like six. Out of 20? One of them said they were on all-star six. And I was like, what? I think they were on the first all-stars, which was season six. I have a feeling that they ha- that all-stars was a separate, sh- like with Drag Race, was a separate show to Project Runway. No, I think it's just what, like Survivor. It's just in with all the other seasons. Maybe, but yeah, because this is season twenty of Project Runway, and it's an All Stars season. Yeah, I, I was so confused. I was like, "You did that many seasons?" But yeah, um, and but I like that they did this episode because I think it. I would have. I prefer this to them rushing, yeah. like and trying to fit this whole thing in like five minutes. Well, and the good thing is, is that we were able to when we haven't seen all the seasons leading up. Um, we were able to really get a good grasp of this cast of characters coming into this season without it taking up an hour of the new episode. And they were introduced what uh, the first challenge is going to be, which was uh, a redemption, a redemption, a redemption redemption challenge, remaking an old look that either sent you home on your season, or if you were in the top three, it was your lowest scored look look from the season. So I thought that was really good. And we, we love a redemption. um, So that will be interesting to see. Tonight, when we uh, are done with this, we'll go home and watch that. Um, but we're, we're excited for this season. Can I also, the only thing I didn't like about this episode, though, was they did a lot of, like, foreshadowing stuff to where... But it's one thing to foreshadow. They did a lot of, like, later this season, and it would show, like, a full... Like, what felt like a scene of, like, something that happens later in the season. And it's like they pan the full workroom, and it's like, girl... So you're just going to tell me what episode this is on and who's not here anymore? Yeah, it's like, it's a little like... I have a feeling that a lot of that is in this episode tonight. Maybe. Like, it's either tonight or, like, next week or the week after that. Like, it's early episodes. They're not going to show late season. But there was one of, like, is it Anna or Anne? I can't remember. I can't Uh, remember. Was, like, crying because she misses her baby. And, like, it was, like, definitely, I was going to say, if you... Miss your like you definitely had to have gone some bit far. Well, I mean, not necessarily like it, especially depending on how recent she has had had the child. Like it, like it, it can be very very difficult in those first couple of months. Like yeah. even being out of the room, it's difficult. I know that um, if the the um mother gets the chance to be home and actually take 
a good amount of time off and be with their child, then there's um, a lot of issues even like leaving the house to go to the grocery store and not taking the baby or... You know, the attachment and the anxiety, not to mention any postpartum issues. So, I mean, I can see it being an issue early. I can see it being an issue even as early as episode, like actual episode one or two. Um, You know, just depending. Um, Yeah. Birth is rough on the body. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, this looks like a good season. And we'll we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on it. Um, And then then we had stars on Mars. Which we, like I said, we haven't watched episode two of, but that first episode I thought was entertaining. It was definitely interesting. I, it felt like I, I wanted this. I want to see the pitch, the, the, what the pitch was initially in the, like, Fo- particularly Fox. Fox is doing these kind of reality shows all the time where it's like you took a hit of acid and we're like, <laughs> let's like, what if they were like, you know, we basically do like a Mars simulation. What if we did Big Brother, but on Mars? Essentially. But it was like also like, I think it was hard for me to like engage in the, like with Survivor, for example, they're on an island. Like it's it, the islands, you see, the, you see the sand, you see the, the water, you see this where it's like, okay, so like, like I get it. You're clearly in like Arizona or some like you, you know what I mean like some like d- yeah and you've done like lighting and like sort of that to make it seem like it's Mars, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, the only thing that that really affects is the challenges, right. like the the team challenges and stuff like that. So, I mean the I mean at that point it's just a themed be- bedroom. Which yeah, they do yeah. on Big Brother at that it was, point. It was the, I think for me it was whenever they did the challenge where they had to create, like they had to build that conductor or whatever it was to like, like that was the challenge that they had mm-hmm. to do in the first episode. And I was like, these winds are crazy. And they're, and it's like. I'm sure they had wind machines. No, I know. But it but was like. the I couldn't, because I know it's a set. Mm-hmm. I was like. I can't tell if you're overselling it. Well, my my thing is, is I don't think it's a set in that it's a sound stage, right? They're clearly in the desert somewhere, like you said. So, I mean, they're definitely still battling elements to a certain degree. Right. But I do think that it's, there's wind machines. There are, you know, like things like that where they are creating the realistic, quote unquote, giant quotes um, realistic, uh, environment. Um, so because these people are not all actors (laughs) and they're coming in, like when they came in from that challenge in that windstorm, they were covered. Sure. Like they looked like, you remember in the animated 101 Dalmatians where then they were playing in the soot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it looked like, but red. Mm. So it was like, clearly, they were actually in, like, extreme conditions, even if they were manufactured. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think as far as the reality of what's happening within the confines of the four walls, I think is correct and accurate and real. Right. Are those things manufactured from outside of that? Sure. But right. I think as far as the contestants are concerned, they might as well be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, what do we think of the cast? This is a very um, uh, interesting amalgamation, I would say the least. I think it's interesting. Um, I am ex- uh, I am interested to watch this second episode because apparently Tom uh, Schwartz dishes on Scandaval a little bit. Yeah, I was quick to see like it. The turnaround must have been really quick on this production because they he got left him right after the reunion. Yeah. So like not not that long. And that was like late March. So like Yeah. So no. this was probably April. Because they, they would have had to do it early enough to where the desert wasn't scorching because that would be then an issue. I mean, I know that they're shooting a lot of this stuff at night. Yeah. Um, but they they have to be careful with the with heat issues, I'm sure. And it was kind of it was a little like verging between B to D list celebrities in terms of the the cast for the most part. I mean, you got it's good to cast reality people like Tom, like Portia, Portia. like stuff like that. Like, um, I guess like there was two football players. Yeah, it was like you. Okay, like um lance armstrong randomly yeah it's like it's like it's very like a mass singer lineup the older daughter from or no the middle daughter from modern family the one with the glasses not the oldest one bruce willis's daughter right but not rumor the other one Tallulah. Tallulah. who is is she an actress i don't know i can't i have no i don't know they got mclovin yeah which like which uh, who apparently hates being called that? I remember because I never saw Superbad. Same. I don't think I. Well, but I saw I Kick. Did? I saw Kick Ass. Okay. And I loved him in Kick Ass. I thought he was really good in that. But I obviously know him from the like the fake ID thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's why people everyone know him knows as his face. Yeah. He has such a recognizable face yeah. that it's like, um, and like Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Which like. <laughs> Like random WWE superstar, okay. Yeah. Oh, and then it's hosted by William Shatner. Because, yeah. I mean that's smart. I mean he's, but I mean he's only like at least in this first episode he's only via satellite, yeah. quote unquote. I yeah. Mean, he did the RuPaul thing and filmed all these <laughs> in batches. Um, Clearly, because they got him for one afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the I'm also I want to see how the elimination format plays out over the episodes because this definitely f- it felt a little loose of like you pick a captain and then the captain decides who does the best like who's worthy of the challenges but even then they weren't actively out there right they were only watching on the screen and there wasn't a lot of like to me there wasn't a lot of like dialogue it was like you save a person and then they can tell you how they felt, but it wasn't like, like there wasn't like any strategizing. Obviously there wasn't like, right. You know, sort of like we're going to form an alliance. And well, but I, I, it was the first episode. So I kind of don't expect it to happen that way, especially because it's all new for them and they're going, okay, how's this going to work? And I wasn't sure if it like, I was like, this could be just like maybe a first episode format and the actual format could be different. Right. It could pivot. Who knows? Um, like I said, I thought it was an interesting concept yeah. and, and, and just interesting execution. In certain parts. I would love to see how it plays out in terms of like, 
further episodes. There seems like there's moments of drama based mm-hmm. on like the trailer and stuff like that. So, and not the least of which is that Lance Armstrong was mistaken for Neil Armstrong. Sure. <laughs> oh God. I mean, but I mean, when you're going on a show like Stars on Mars, aren't you kind of asking for it? Kind of like, yeah. It, right it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's our reality roundup. Uh, if you have uh, also, if you guys have reality shows that you think we should watch, um, give a suggestion to us, send it to us, and maybe we will give it a look and see what we think and maybe review it at some point. Yeah. So yeah, we're always interested in seeing new stuff and, and checking things out. Um, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we are getting into our thoughts on Vanderpump Rules Season 10, Secrets Revealed. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To a little more spicy. Like one of my favorites, Fuck Your Laws, Fuck Your System, Transformative Justice Now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His Envy. We are heading into our last time talking about Vanderpump yeah. Rules. It's uh, it's over, guys. The journey's over. Yay! Um, the, we, I mean, we've discussed it. Like, obviously, this season was fucking insane. It was. It took up so much of our time and attention. Through, like, it uh, rightfully so, though. Like, yeah, rightfully so. But it's just like I feel like I've been constant since march yeah like it's exhausting and i'm sure it's just gonna get worse because they're about to head into filming season 11 Mm -hmm. and we're gonna get notifications about who isn't on the season anymore and who did come back and 
but I'm all sure all those things. But I'm sure Tom Sandoval has done a lot of growing and and oh sure and, and understanding of his position and like how he messed up and that you know he has no one to blame but himself and that there's especially, no excuse for anything, right? Yeah, especially um, since now we know that the T-shirt content uh, comment was. Um, taken out of context. We, it's all of our faults, guys. Um, we, we as a collective, like almost, like the majority of almost ninety nine percent of everyone who watched that episode, we're the ones that that got it wrong, not him. Yeah, like it. It was just about Ariana not being invested in the the sexual experience well the fact that so that we're talking about so like a, a some um paparazzi guy like like was asking him questions and stuff like that and when he answers he says it it had nothing to do he was like no it wasn't a comment about her body etc whatever he literally goes it had nothing to do with her body it was about her being inauthentic uh enthusiastic like he caught himself being like I shouldn't call her inauthentic. Like it was his instinct to be like, she's a fake bitch. Yeah. And he had to be like, no, they won't like me if I say that. And then he literally had the nerve to say, I have never body shamed Ariana. Never. Never. Not once. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hey, here's a fun fact. It's actually not on you to determine. If she felt body shamed by it, then she felt body shamed by it and you body shamed her. Yeah. You fucking pig. Uh, <laughs> so, but let's get into the secrets revealed. We won't, we'll kind of talk generally. There weren't a lot of big, there was a cut. There was one or two scenes where I was like, wow, guys, you can't, I'm so, I can't believe that you shocked me any more than you've already shocked me, but you fucking did it. Um, one of the things was apparently Ariana could only come from anal. <laughs> well, <there's> that. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> we didn't need to hear that. Well, that's how Tom, that's what it was. It wasn't that Tom's uh, morphology was off. He just was going in the wrong place. Um, <laughs> no, but so, and, and LVP is narrating. I've never, re- when we did all our binging of Housewives and, and Bravo stuff. When yeah, we, we skipped this We shit. always skip Secrets Revealed. Because like, it never revealed anything. No, but like. So I don't know if this is normal in the sense. So LVP is kind of essentially narrating like right. each like moment that we're seeing. Um, I like that. So we start the first thing we see is that is from before production actually even started necessarily. Like sort of like pre when the season started with Katie and Schwartz after the divorce, right? Because um, we knew they filmed like confessionals like before filming officially officially picked up, right? Um, and we had seen parts of this scene yeah in like never before seen footage or whatever like that was spliced in right but this is the first time we're getting this scene in its entirety yeah and it was i still hate shorts with with a passion this season um, and he does have moments later where i also was really hating him um it this sounds bad it was nice to see him cry but it was also hard to take him serious while literally his dog is humping a pillow as three inches like, away from his face. <laughs> as he's crying. Um, and he talks about... It's just such perfect commentary on his entire personality. Because you know that he's taught that dog that. <laughs> Didn't he hump the dog like earlier in the season? Or what? The, no, 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 no. no. Did it, this is why I can't talk. This is... I'm, I, I was going to say... I was what I was going to say was 
Didn't the dog hump the stuffed animal earlier in the season as well? Yes, yes, he did. That's what I meant. That's you all know. That's what I meant. Um, Swartz is just like, well, he, is it, does this count in the friend cut? No, I'm kidding. Oh my god! Moving on. Um, Katie, but it was, and Katie broke down in her confessional too about like you know, it, it's it hurts, but that like she finally can you know. Think for think about herself. Yeah, and she and I like what she said. Of like, I love him, but I I'm I've been defending the relationship when I yeah. know it's wrong. Like, yeah, it's, it's just a bad relationship. Like, and it sucks though that like I feel like that kind of it, it honestly makes what played out in the season even sadder in the sense that like yeah. he kind of treated her like shit this season and like then started to actually question whether he even liked her or not. I feel like the way he's acted this season has all been revenge from that moment. Honestly. That's what it's felt like. It's felt like he has to get Katie back for sleeping with someone first. Or even that's well, because, and there was that moment where he's, where he's like, are you going out on dates? And she's like, do you want to know? And he's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, a couple. And he goes, gross. And she's like, why did you ask me then? Yeah. Like, and I get it. Maybe he didn't know that it would bother him until after he heard the answer. But, like, that's not her fault. And you shouldn't make her feel guilty for that. Yeah. Like, that's not... Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, We see this scene, which was supposed to be sentimental. And I could see a realm where it would have been sentimental of Sandoval and Ariana uh, clearing out their old apartment um, that apparently Ariana's brother was living in. uh, It's literally the apartment from season one that him and that both Tom's and Jack's were living in together. Yeah, The one where the power will famously cut out if they turn the microwave on. Yeah. Um, Which like. It looked gross. Yeah. It looked so grody. But like. They clearly were pegging this as this was supposed to be this, like particularly Sandoval wanted this to be this big moment, right? That's like tugs on your heartstrings and it's like, oh, all the memories and all this stuff. And now it's just like, fuck you. I, I, yeah. He literally was like, this apartment has, you know, been the home of where I grew into the person I am today. It's like, oh, so, well, that sucks then because... Of what we're seeing. Yeah, I actually think this is probably a cleaner representation of the person you are today. Yeah. But this, to me, highlights that going into this season, I think they thought this was it. Yeah. Because they're doing a lot of this sentimental look back at the last 10 years sort of thing. Just in case. I think they just, had it just yeah. in case they weren't going to get picked up. Yeah. Um, we didn't, so there's, they, they did the extended version on Peacock, right? Um, mm-hmm. stuff. I watched it. I don't believe you got the chance I to watch it. I did not. There, there's not much. Um, like there's a, um, cause Schwartz is helping them as well. And they go through boxes and they find like this, like nap, this, uh, decorative napkin from Schwartz's wedding and Schwartz um. cries again. And like, it's a, God, it's a sad moment, you know? Yeah. But, um, and Ariana comforts him because that's the friend Ariana is. Which, like, that... It, it, I will say, watch that scene. It, it makes me feel bad of, in terms of what Schwartz did to Ariana in, in yeah. his role in the Scandal Yeah. Because it's like... Well, and it also makes me feel bad because at the end of the day, whether you thought Schwartz and Katie were right for each other, 
it's still sad. Yeah. Like, it's never a happy, joyous occasion when a marriage ends to me. Yeah. Um, because at that point, it's always that this is a person you thought you would spend the rest of your life with. This is someone that you trusted more than anyone else in the world. And that trust is no longer there. That future is no longer there. There's a grieving process. And I think that, um, I think that Schwartz has a right to grieve that, even if he is really the 80% problem in the reason that they split up. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, we then go, so this scene also with Raquel and Peter, where Peter mis- didn't remember, because either he was drunk or whatever from the, the Tom Tom party, didn't remember what Raquel said to her breaking off the relationship. Peter kind of annoyed me this scene. Like he goes up to James at the DJ booth as he's doing his stuff and being, and he's like, I need to ask you something. He's like, do you run to mommy to tell her ever? like talking about him going to Lisa? And James is like, I didn't run to Lisa to tell her about you and, and Raquel hooking up. Like it came up in conversation. It's not like, but like, I mean, but then they played the flashback. He kind of did run to Lisa about it. Sort of. Because it wasn't really, like, on topic. He kind of made it on topic. But also, so, I don't know if this, I can't remember if this was in the main episode or in the extended one. Later when he's in the the, um, parking lot with Raquel talking, he's literally like, I mean, I just don't want Lisa to know. I, you know, it's one thing for me to have like a relationship with me as a manager and someone as an employee, but I just don't want, I don't think Lisa needs to know about it. That was in the extended because I don't remember yeah. that. And it's like, no, you shouldn't be having a relationship with an employee whether or not Lisa knows it. Yeah. Like not as a manager, that's not appropriate. Like There was just something about Peter, like when he was confronting James, it's common, but it's not appropriate where he was. It's like, I'm sure he's 40. I'm sure he's as old as he's, he's older. I think. And it's like, you're kind of like still in your, like, I'm a fuck boy phase. And I want to like, say him and Jax are the same age. So like 43. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like your fuck boy phase is over. Like, like like you like should be yeah and so he like asked Raquel what happened basically and etc um and what James told him about how like she she didn't want to break his heart and that you know she was I didn't really this. care about him <laughs> where where he's like no offense you're not gonna break my heart yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved that I was like I need you to tuck that away and remember this in a couple months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> save that for somebody else. Essentially, um, we then also see they uh, the they had like a girls' night. Um, like I think it was like four days or so before the girls' trip to Lake Havasu. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sheena talking about how she apologized to Katie, but it just isn't good enough, etc. And like you know, Katie said, like, yeah, Katie was drunk when she told me about like Schwartz and Raquel, the prospect of Schwartz and Raquel. But like, I figure like that's like telling the truth. I mean, I maintain that until the um, party at I think it was like episode two or three at where was that? Yeah, oh, at the Canyon Club? Yes, Canyon Club, where where Katie vocalized, vocalized to, Sheena. to Sheena, hey, I'm not okay with this. 
I still believe that up until that point, Sheena was not trying to be shady. I think the second that Katie put her foot down and Sheena didn't like how she did it, she decided to be uh, a jerk about it. Yeah, as in that same night, she literally was like, yeah, Raquel, go ask Schwartz to make out. Yeah. Like, come on. Um, and I, the, the one fun thing about the scene was Lala just being like, I don't understand why Katie is like so focused on Sheena when she should be focusing on you, Raquel, no offense. Like, like she, like her gun should be pointed at this bitch. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, like, look, when is Lala wrong? Yeah. When is she missed? Go back and look the, at the rest of the season to the show that she's been on. And even Raquel being like, yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was surprised that I was invited to the girls' trip. I think it's, I think it's, well, and Katie talks about it in a confessional at some point. She was like, it's because Raquel came to me and was apologetic about she was full of shit. Yeah, and, but, and, and Raquel doesn't, hasn't known me as long. Right. And Sheena rode hard for this after I told her I wasn't okay with it. Right. Like, I feel more betrayed by Sheena, as I think was correct. Right. Anyway. She would, le- she would learn later. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I think it was in the, in the extended Lala has a confessional where she's just like, Katie, you, can, you have two hands. You can po- put gu- point guns in both directions. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> she could have. Um, and, and she invites, Katie invites Charlie onto the girl's trip as Sheena is sitting right there and just being like. And Sheena's literally like staring at them, like the back of Katie while she's inviting Charlie. And it's like, girl. And also you always needed a mean girl Sheena moment where Katie walks in and she's like, that outfit looks familiar. <laughs> it's the look from my podcast uh, cover photo. I think I wore it better. <laughs> well, I mean, you were able to stylize a photo. You were sitting down. You were able to pick the photo that you thought looked best out of that photo shoot. This is her wearing it and moving. Sure. Like, it's a little bit different, I Look, think. Yeah. But just saying. Um, can we talk? <laughs> can we talk about this fucking roller skating scene? Can we not? <laughs> can we not? I mean, before we get to the roller skating scene, oh, can we I... talk about... The bullshit about how literally the day after. Oh, I skipped over that. Yes, the yes, day yes. after. So this scene is literally the day after Guys Night, which we now know is when Raquel and Tom hooked up for the first time in the car in the driveway. Literally hours later. Hours. Hours later, she walks in with Charlie into Tom and Ariana's house with a bouquet of roses. Or not roses, like carnations something. or something. But I think, and it was clear, like for Ariana's great, um, dog. dog. Like, and Sandoval going up and flowers for me. Fuck you. Fuck like, you. There was no awkwardness. Yeah. That, that means he is way too comfortable with her if there's no awkwardness after after that yeah and you notice he was like he he's like oh my god flowers for me etc uh hugs her uh all excitedly he he like hugs charlie like hi charlie how's it going goes back to raquel and be like oh my god raquel like he like lights up like yeah. like it's so obvious looking back yeah it's disgusting and in literally hours before he was fucking her in the car yeah and then the next scene we see, oh, what is what is this that they were doing? Oh, they were doing an activity. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we can I mention one more thing about oh, the, yeah. the, that scene beforehand? Which is Raquel, as we mentioned, 
fully misrepresenting the Vegas trip. Oh, yeah. And relaying the sort like of like telling up the Oliver part, you know, about et cetera, getting the Oliver part right. And also people were theorizing that it did kind of seem like she was looking at Sandoval a lot of the times when she was sharing the Oliver aspect Mm -hmm. as almost to like make him jealous. I think it was more that she hadn't had a chance to tell him about any of this and it happening right before. Right. And he is staring at her like a, like a dog staring at like a piece of steak. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's really nasty. Speaking, and speaking of dogs, the look that Ariana's dog gives Raquel. The, that dog, like we need her confessional because that dog literally was staring at Raquel like this bitch are y'all buying this shit y'all are buying this shit what but she she was like you know and Lala let me she's like you know what you can go ahead and take Oliver etc and so we made out etc and then suddenly it was like no Raquel we need to have a sit down and tell you that we have we have some major problems that's not what happened that's not what happened at all that's literally not what happened you came into their bed drunk quote unquote you had a conversation, like a normal conversation, and then you made that stupid fucking comment. That's what happened. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, and then, oh, the part that was, it was in the extended, though, is Sandoval in his fucking confessional being like, you know, Lala going around and sort of like, you know, shaming Raquel and all this stuff. I think she, you know, she, some, I forgot exactly what he says, but it's like glass houses or whatever. And, and like, you know, someone who bragged about sucking dick for a Range Rover. And, um, you know, she never bragged about that. She mentioned it that the first time that she when had pla- sex with they him. They did the flashback clip. She was like, Jax told, said, you sucked a dick for, told me about that I sucked a dick for a Range Rover. And I was like, well, at least I got a Range Rover out of it. That was literally what she said. Well, and at, at one point, at a different point that season, she says it was something about the first date we had sex and the next day I had a car. Yeah. Like she mentions it at that point, but she's not the one that ever said sucks dick for a Range Rover. That was the narrative that Jackson Sandoval were pushing. But also, and a lot of people were rightfully pointing this out online, this whole idea of like, oh, she sucked a dick for a Range Rover and she's brags about it and she's more than willing to like have sex to like get money items and that makes her a bad person. You guys were all willing to take advantage of Randall. You guys were flying on the PJs as well. You guys, like, <laughs> you were, at least she fucked him. Yeah. At least she put in some work for it. Yeah. And honestly, number one, what is wrong with a woman deciding that her body is a commodity and she will get what she can from using it? What is wrong with that? It's like, it was so gross. And it's like he, it was just another like chapter 17 of Sandoval hates women. But But also like the characterization of she did it for that. No, she did it because she was interested in this person. And then he did that after the fact. Like, it wasn't that... Oh, Sandoval doesn't... Sandoval, you're telling me Sandoval doesn't understand the concept of having sex with someone in a non-transactional way? Shocking! (laughs) Like, it's not... Like, there has never been any indication from Lala that Randall said, hey, you want a car? Great, suck my dick. That's not how this happened. Right. Now we can talk about the skating. Now we can talk about the bullshit skating. This was the cringiest goddamn scene I had ever seen in my life. I hate... I we talked about it before. I do not understand why we ever liked Sandoval. 
ever. He is the cringiest motherfucker on the fucking planet. First of all, as they're putting their skates on and stuff like that, he goes, you look really hot today. And then goes, I mean, it's, I mean, part of it is because you're sweating with how hot it is outside. <laughs> Get it? Joke. And Ariana's like, ah, funny. And we were both like, oh, so literally what she said on the Call Her Daddy podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. That he would like joke about, like make, do a joke and not actually like compliment her on her body yep. or like, so literally what she said. Great. Also, you were really mad that she wasn't spending time with you doing things like hang gliding, which she actually did, and um, you know, doing mushrooms and skinny dipping, mm-hmm. which she did. Um, so she was actually doing those things that you made an example of. But then also, she did this. Yeah. Again, in the confessional, talking about this is something that she's doing because this is the sort of thing that you like to do in order to bond. Right. So she's making the effort. When are you putting in effort? When are you showing up for what she needs from you? And and to prove my point that I made when that conversation happened about, you know, those item those things that he talks about of like quality time are only for himself and like for presentation. This the the scene of them roller skating I literally almost wanted to turn the TV off. He is so playing. He's like performatively falling and like doing it. Like he'll literally like slip and then do like a, he literally at one point like slipped a little bit and then did like two rolls intentionally of, to make it like a bigger fall. He literally was just playing for the cameras. Well, and then instead was, of having a date, there was one point where he did like a disco era split thing and come back up. Yeah. And it was like, are you like what are Who you doing? Who are you? Who are you? And he as as they were they finish he does the performance like rolling in and going uh uh-huh, sitting down on the bench. It's like you're literally just playing for the camera. Like it's it's so unappealing in terms of just like like you're trying like your midlife crisis is in full effect, dude. Like it's yeah. cr- it's beyond um, and then there's also like Ariana saying stuff about like, you know, I told Katie it's going to be really hard for her to convince me to hate Raquel. And, you know, we've had the, we have this friendship family and it, it was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, it's like, yeah. And he's just like willing to twist the knife and willing to like manipulate the situation. Like, yeah, focus on Katie. Yeah. Focus on Lala. And like, ugh, it's so fucking gross. Yeah, it it was it was pretty damn awful. Um, Schwartz goes on a date. We see this was the most awkward thing. I thought that the date with Peter and Raquel was the most awkward date we would ever see on Bravo. This was the most awkward date we have ever seen. Well, the and maybe it was more than you know what we saw, but like I hated that most of it was about Katie. And and not just about awful. Katie, like, cause I get the, like, not in the sense of like a recent divorced person, like talking about their, their, their ex it like inadvertently because there's still like emotions and feelings and stuff like that. No, it was basically like to frame this narrative that Katie's wrong about this whole, like, you know, deal and stuff like but that. But also like clearly pressuring this random girl that he meets on Hinge or Bumble or whatever to agree with him but not telling the full story and obviously not telling the full story he framed it as like i got this person got divorced um he then made out with somebody um and the person got mad about it is that okay it's like you're leaving out 
swaths of information. Swaths of information in really important chunks as to why this is the, this was a fucking violation. And then when she's like, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's she fine. She said, that's just a human thing to do. And she's like, oh, I'm human. Like, like I am right. It's like, so it's. So but she clearly looked so uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's just like, why are you using this girl like this? This mm. is not okay. It's really gross. We see uh, we see more of that dinner with Lala, Katie, Christina, and LVP at Sir that we saw when Lala was piecing everything mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much extra no. in that dinner in terms of what we had already saw of Lala just being like, I think there's something happening here. And, you know, yeah. You know. And then I believe from here is where we time jump to after the finale before there's still a little more oh there's more there's raquel and sheena going crafting oh that's right i forgot about the awkward crafting scene and raquel lying about the jacuzzi night yep to sheena's face and sheena being like well they lied to they lied to brock and raquel raquel goes maybe i should have lied about i should have like maybe i should have repeated their lie and sheena's like no i just think they shouldn't have lied because then it's like oh questions whatever when there's no real issue and raquel's like Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Totally right, Sheena. Sheena was so dumb (laughs) this fucking scene. And it's like, I uh, like, she probably is cringing watching that of like, how the fuck did I like not put two plus two equals four? Like, kind of like Ariana, though, I kind of feel like you should be able to trust your closest friends and take what they say at close at face value. Sure. And you can't really be faulted for believing that your friend is telling you the truth. Right. Like, I just, I don't know. I think Sheena's actions, we should definitely blame her for, but I don't think there was anything wrong with her believing Raquel. No, no, I, yeah, it was, it, and it's, it's just cringier in retrospect. Yeah, and, definitely. And also like Raquel talking at the end of the, of the last part of the reunion in that confessional about how she has a bad poker face. Didn't really have it here. Didn't have it here at she all. She was pretty cold and, and conniving and convincing. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, uh. I think the reality hadn't quite set in on what was happening yet because this was still pretty newish. Newish. Um, and like she hadn't really had to do a whole lot of lying. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of where it's going to start snowballing. Yeah. Um, then, oh, and then we saw LVP and Ariana at her horse stable. Oh, this pissed me the fuck off. You hated off. this scene. You so, hated this scene a lot. So this whole scene is that we we get the knowledge that I think we had heard this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in the rumor mill, page six or whatever, that at one point... um. LVP had been bucked off of one of her horses, broke her leg. Uh, Prince, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Um, Such a pretentious name. I I mean, it's LVP. Like, I just, I, um, but it's, uh, she gets bucked off the horse and breaks her leg in four places. Um, and it's 20 weeks later after she's healed and she's trying to get back on the horse and she's just dealing with a lot of fear and anxiety about it. Mm-hmm. And Ariana is there like the only person that seemingly knows about this, you know, really. Well, and they any... had bonded in the past over both loving horseback riding. And... Right. And like they had 
bonded over dogs with health issues and all of that stuff because Jiggy had just died and all of that stuff. So, like, they had bonded a lot over animals. And then for Ariana to specifically be the one person that LVP goes to to help her with this anxiety and to help her through because she's sitting there literally crying at a at a fucking picnic table mm-hmm. talking about I'm not the person that you know like has a trembling lip and does all of this stuff like I am the get back on the horse person I am literally. the suck it up and and move forward kind of person and I'm really struggling with this and Ariana's like very compassionate with her and empathetic and is like talking about how it's okay to like be um have anxiety about this and and really like be worried about it and it's totally natural and all of that stuff and she does all of this stuff and shows up for LVP and then LVP completely and utterly abandons her at that reunion like that yeah that pissed me the fuck off i was seeing red watching this scene how do you not how do you not join Lala and Ariana in the fuck you fest? Like I just how, I don't get it. Yeah. I it, don't get it. It's so it's so fucking frustrating. I I I I'm interested in next season a lot in terms of LVP. LVP is a player I'm really interested in next season because Which is odd because she's never really been that the heavily focus. involved in stuff on this. But like with how Lala and James were kind of done yeah, at the reunion, Ariana seemed like she was at least partially done with her. Yeah, I think I'm going to be interested. I think she's going to become a bigger player next season. I think so too, and I think honestly, season eleven, it's about damn time. <laughs> Put in the work, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, now everything after this is is post scandal. So we see um, James and. Allie. Allie um, talking about um, the apology that uh, Raquel put out on IG. Um, and how James how is like, was that's not in her voice. Clearly like, manufactured by a PR team. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound like her. That's bullshit. Yeah. Um, he makes digs at her intelligence. <laughs> I'm not going to. No, he says, well, he says, and it's not even like, I'm not going to talk about that she's like dumb and like has no intelligence. But she's or, not smart enough to write this literally yeah, yeah, what yeah. he says. And it's like, bro but you did you can't preface it and then yeah um he does call her like an airhead bimbo uh like sandoval left like abandoned his house all of his his success and all that stuff for some airhead bimbo and i'm like okay all right james yeah um but james does back off the he-man woman hater club come on but james does talk more about how it's like he's more upset with sandoval right and again like they literally were brothers and not literally, but you know what I mean? Like figuratively, literally. Yeah. You know. It's like, I, it shined a little more light on like, also we kind of knew this already, but like why he was so upset at the reunion. Yeah. I think. Cause like you were my number one person and like you literally fucked my ex fiance. Yeah. And literally don't give a shit. I honestly wish that we had gotten more of this in the finale before the reunion. Yeah. It would have informed the viewers, I think, a little more. A little bit. And honestly, I didn't need to see Sandoval going on his apology tour, which was... And cry in front of uh, Lisa's window. Which was basically all that that the finale episode was. Yeah. Um, and then we see Lala, Katie, and Allie all go out for lunch mm-hmm. um, afterwards. 
Um, and kind of Allie sort of also then relaying to them like how James is feeling. And we find out that like literally James was texting Sandoval as it was happening, not knowing it was ha- just like casual yeah. like stuff. And Sandoval was texting him back as if it was like casual and like nothing had happened. And it was literally after midnight in California, which means that definitely like Ariana had already found the video on his phone. They had already had it out between the four of them, Ariana and Raquel and Tom and Sheena. Right. Like all of that had already happened. And at presumably at this point they were already back at the house with tom chunking shit at the back fence yep so like the the absolute like serial killer kind of mentality you Mm -hmm. in order to have that chill conversation with james via text when all of that's happening and your world is literally falling apart i literally would have texted him and gone hey i'll i'll talk to you tomorrow i'll call you back (laughs) I'll talk to you tomorrow. I have some other stuff going on. Yeah. It 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 really is demented in a way because like he's so focused on the image. Yeah. And maintaining pres- pre- maintaining Like did he really think that this wouldn't get out? Maybe. Did he really think that Ariana wasn't going to call production? I mean, according to Ariana, he took her phone at one point like so she Oh, that's right. So I really I think there was either a fire flight sort of moment, at least in that point, where he was like, maybe I can convince her to not say anything like I did with Miami Girl. Yeah. But at least Miami Girl didn't have production's phone on speed dial. Yeah. God bless Ariana for immediately calling production. Yeah, because that's what you do when you're not actually trying to hide things (laughs) from the audience. Literally. Like, it makes no sense to have that as the narrative when she's the one that picked up the phone and said this and tell this really embarrassing thing for her. Yeah. Like the whole thing was like, I just, I don't understand like trying to shove that narrative down everybody's throat. Right. When literally everything she has done proves that that's the opposite. It's so it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, but that, that was the secrets revealed. Um, I, I, we can just say, like, we said it before, but, like, phenomenal season. The best thing we've watched, I think, on Bravo. But still exhausting. Uh, as opposed we need to, this break. As opposed to Jersey, which is the worst shit on television and right now. And also exhausting. And also exhausting. <laughs> we'll, we'll review that in our next episode out on Saturday. Uh, we have plenty of thoughts. I gave, I gave a full dissertation after that reunion. I am exhausted already. Um, yeah, but g- great job with Vanderpump Rules. Cannot wait for next season. All right, let's talk tops and bottoms. Actually, let's just talk tops. It's we know it's Sandoval. Sandoval, fuck that guy. We've we've talked about it ad nauseum. Replay our previous Sandoval bottoms from previous seasons or previous episodes. So, so what's your top look like? Actually, if you want, you can do multiple because we're not talking about Sandoval. Fuck him. Okay. Um. You know, I I will say that I have I I kind of do have two tops in my mind. Ooh. Okay. Both are um, top chef. Okay. Um, I'll say I'll give one to Buddha for winning the season. Right. And and you know, we we joke about the molds and he was he has sort of pretentious moments, but he's very sweet and like yeah. by all accounts like you know really great guy, um, good personality on the show and 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 really satisfying winner 
um, for that season. And uh, and then I'll, I'll also give it to Padma. Yeah. I was genuinely, like, when you sh- you texted me the Padma news, and I was genuinely crushed. Yeah, I got an email from People Magazine about it, and it just, I my jaw was on the floor. It's literally, like, think any iconic host of any iconic show that you can think of, this is the equivalent of it. Like, like. I don't think you can think of Top Chef without thinking of Padma. They've been yeah. so like intertwined in terms of like dialogue and stuff and like that. And she's been hosting since season three? Two. Two. First season was Katie Lee, which like she's now on Food Network cooking casseroles and stuff like that. So it's like, <laughs> um, but like you, it's Padma's show to yeah. me. Like obviously there's so many other people involved, but like that show is going to be so like intrinsic in people's minds in terms of uh, with Padma. So like, I'm such a great career. One of my favorite celebrities. Like, yeah, love her on Twitter. Like, her. I really, from the little I've seen of Taste the Nation, I kind of wanted to go back and watch it more regularly. Like, such a great uh, host and has that ability to be charming and light and fun while also being informative and knowledgeable mm-hmm. and has that perfect balance for me. Yeah. Um, so credit to her. Um, what about you this week for your top? Um, you know, I think I have two as well. Okay. Um, and I think I'm going to stick to Drag Race for mine. Um, and that's going to go to Lala Ree and Alexis, both, yeah. both of which were unsung heroes of this episode. Um, I Except thought for the they fact sh- they literally sang. <laughs> yes, but they were unsung about. There we go. Um, <laughs> they, um, you know, the fact that... One of them, two, did not win the episode was criminal mm-hmm. in my mind. Um, Alexis, I think, still for me is the second place because while she did do as well, I mean, it can be argued better than La La Ree. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but I think they were pretty neck and neck. I think Lala surprised me mm-hmm. in how well she did, which to me is part of the equation of whether you win the episode or not. Yeah. It's like if you have it in the bag, I'm not impressed with your win as much. But when you do what Lala redid this episode and you pull it out and you absolutely kill that shit and kill a challenge that you were not expected to do nearly that well on that is that is amazing props yeah like i think her grace jones look was stunning phenomenal deserves to be on the cover of fucking vogue you know it was good it was good um and i thought her performance in the rusical was incredible like absolutely incredible professional you would think that she is someone that is churning out musicals on broadway every goddamn day like i just i was really impressed and i really think that um if she can keep it at this level she could fucking end up winning this thing yeah so i'm i was really impressed with her so she's my top one and then with alexis as my nod for second place on top toot of the week Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out.
This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. <laughs>